Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering, and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Tune in every Sunday to hear conversations with brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, I am truly honored to introduce the most iconic, and someone I call a friend, Vivian McKender. The hairdresser's hairdresser, one of the most highly respected creatives in the entire professional beauty industry. And that encompasses, by the way, millions of people globally. And, and Viv is the hairdresser's hairdresser. She's an absolute innovator, a creative force, former creative director for both Vidal Sassoon and Trevor Sorby. Like that, especially for young people, Google them. Um, it's a really, really big deal. As someone who's not a hairdresser, I'm so impressed you know, with the skills, the craft, the creativity. But I have to say, as someone who loves technology, that Vivian McKender was one of the earliest adopters you know, for tech in the entire professional beauty industry, founder of Hair Designer TV. She's got a lot of stuff going on now. Welcome to the podcast, Viv. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Um, so we start every podcast the same, which was we ask our guests to give best advice. And, and you've had this amazing, brilliant career. I, I can't even imagine all the different things you've heard from so many people. But um, if you're going to give one piece of advice that was passed on to you by somebody else for our audience, what, what would that be? This was from my mom's dear friend who was very successful in her own right. And she said, darling, whatever you do, work for the best of the best. So I went to the best college in London. I went to the best company in the world. And the interesting thing is when you don't know anything, you can feel really insecure and frightened because you don't know anything. And so it's easy to settle and go somewhere lower down the food chain to feel comfortable versus be really stretched and surround yourself with giants. So that was the best piece of advice. And I continue to do that. I love that so much. And can I say, when you say darling, <laughs> it's just so different than when I say it. It kind of makes, gives me tingles a little bit. I just love your accent so much. <laughs> so. So when we reconnected recently, it's been a bit, we kind of had a deep dive into the topic I think that we both have a lot of passion for from different angles, but consultations. And, you know, there was some research done years ago that said that 95% of hairdressers say they do a consultation every time they have a client. And then they kind of flipped it and asked, asked clients, like, how often do you get a consultation? And they said about 95% of the time they don't get a consultation. And as a consumer, as someone who pays to have services in the salon, I can say I've had like two consultations in, in the last 45 years. So let's, let's take a dive in the consultation. I'm going to let you lead the conversation a little bit, Viv, because you're so passionate about this right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we either have easy clients and hard hair to deal with. The hair is a bit naughty. Or we have um, hair that is super easy to work with and a difficult personality. So we always have to come with that balance of strong technical skills, but incredible connecting skills. And I think that when we are looking at our consultation, I don't think many people realize this, but there are three relationships in a consultation. There's a relationship that I, the hairdresser, have with myself. What is my style? What is my sense of beauty? 
Where are my hangups standing in a salon? So that's my relationship to myself. Then there's the client's relationship to herself. Does she have high or low self-esteem? Does she like her nose? Does she like her head? What does she like and what does she not like? Has she had a man always saying to her, darling, you are gorgeous or, oh, that looks ugly. Where does she live? So there's a relationship that she has with herself. Now, the third relationship is the relationship you have together which if you either or do not have high self-esteem, it's very interesting where the whole hairstyle lands because of the emotion behind the decision-making, the securities, the insecurities. And I know it's kind of a deep dive, but it's so easy for us as hairdressers to blame the client. Oh, she wouldn't let me do that. Oh, I can't be creative. Oh, I can't put up my prices. Oh, you know, my clients always run late, blah, blah, blah. So it's very easy to dump on somebody else. But when we do that, we completely disempower ourselves. So I think the gatekeeper, all of this, always starts with yourself. What's your relationship to yourself in the eyes of beauty and fashion? I love that. And when I think of so many people that I know who've had long careers and and successful, satisfying careers, and as I've gotten to know them, these very often are people who get the consultation thing. They get, either get it just naturally and it just is part of who they are or they've learned it and they've practiced it and and they've you know just made it a foundation of building a life in this industry so comment on that for a moment what's the importance of it over time well it's your longevity and it and it feeds the the fire to your creativity to your passion because you know think about anything in your life that you dislike doing right you probably won't be very good at it but anything you love doing, where you love the result, you have the motivation and you have the why to continue doing it. So if you have compromised behind your chair to accommodate and please the guest, and so you're just going through an exercise of shortening the hair or doing a retouch or whatever, but your heart's not in it, you start to slowly switch off. And it starts to, instead of becoming a creative, it just becomes very mechanical. And that's when the artistry starts to die. And my job is always to, number one, if you have an amazing consultation, and, and I, it's almost as though you're creating a design map. You're looking at that person and finding out where they are emotionally. So I always design from the inside of the head to the outside. And it's like my little design map. And I'm looking at how am I going to make their face more beautiful? I always go to the balance of the face and I, and I do a lot of teaching around face shape. And most hairdressers struggle to recognize the face shape and the balance. So I always design to face shape. I design to lifestyle, to personality, and I design to the sensuality of the woman. I could do a short haircut and make it look androgynous, but I could also do a short haircut and make it look very sexy and feminine. So the, the sensuality of a look is a very important thing. So I, I like to check in at all these different points. And I and I created years passed by, but somebody was watching me do a consultation. And they said, it's fascinating how you do a consultation and how do you get people to go through these huge transformations? So I thought, well, I always visit the landscape where they leave. I take myself out of it and I really dive into their world. And I think when you love something, part of it is to understand who that person is and to understand how to bring out their greatness. That, that to me is part of 
loving and caring on somebody, right? It's not mm-hmm. putting me on them. Mm-hmm. It's discovering how they can be the best version of themselves. And so I thought, well, how do I do that? And then somebody was asking me questions. I thought, well, I'm going to take it, take it into a form so it can be repeatable, a system. So I created this consultation form. And I thought, well, this is daft. I'm not going to use this. And I started to test it out on people who had uh, very little English, you know, have it translated. And I was traveling all over the world doing it. And I couldn't believe my results. I actually had happy people. I wasn't talking somebody into something anymore. They were really loving it because I was really serving them. I wasn't selling a hairstyle. I was really serving. And that was sort of the, the turning point. And what I realized is that Really, when you are making a choice about the hairstyle you're going to do, you can be analytical, which is living in your headspace. You can have a gut feeling, which is sometimes like that survival. Oh, my gosh, I better do this or I better not do that. You'll freak out. But then there's the intuitive, that intuitive, inspirational part, which I feel comes more from your heart and your. it's a deeper sense of knowing. So I trust my intuition. I'm very mindful of my gut feeling on something. Oh, that's dangerous. Don't go there. She's a tricky, tricky one. But I'm also very analytical because in the analytical part, I'm taking in all the information about who she is, her age, her lifestyle, her personality. I'm taking all of these this information in. Now I start to use my create creativity to process it and spit out something that really does work. I love that. And, and a couple of things come to mind immediately. One is kind of that, you know, left brain, right brain thing, the, the analytical and the creative, and you touched on both of them. And so often, you know, we kind of default to, oh, we're creatives. And it kind of, some, I think sometimes it's an excuse to not go to things that where you need to go. The analytical part, hair color is the easiest one for me to talk about this way. Cause you know, there's the science, you know, so we, we get that. Um, so to those who might, lean too heavily and not think enough about the analytical. Any advice? Because I think it it must make a huge difference when you think about consultation. Well, I think that there needs to be training around it because um, how it started for me was I would watch all these great working at Sassoon's, Trevor Sorby, great editorial hairdressers. So I've stood by the side of incredible people throughout my entire career. And I used to observe them. I'd look at the clients sitting there and I think, I wonder what they're going to do. And I would, in my own mind, try and figure out, okay, what they're going to do. And I saw innovations. I saw coloring techniques, perm techniques, haircut techniques, styling techniques that had never been done before. I would go, whoa, I would have played it so safe. And I used to say to Trevor in particular, how did you come up with that idea? Well, I don't know. I just was inspired. Yeah, but where did the inspiration come from? I don't know. I just thought of it. It's like, tell me more. And I used to ask all these people because I wanted to understand how they saw, interpreted, translated, and could spit it out. So I would say to myself, well, they're just a natural genius. They have a natural sense of style. They have, how do they train their eye to have a, Vidal said to me, Viv, it's so important not to have a judging eye, have a tender eye. Don't judge anybody because you can see it in the eye. Have a tender eye, have a loving, compassionate eye, and look, look for how you can create beauty within the landscape of where they're living. And so then I thought, right, I'm going to break this down. And I was on photo shoots and I was like, they would give me these descriptives and these mood boards as to, you know, the story, the character of the photo shoot. And the model may be rock and roll and she's sexy, but she's got a bit of a bohemian vibe to her. And I'd be thinking, oh, okay. 
rock and roll, sexy, boho. And I think, how do I kind of pull all that together? So then I came up with these three wheels of fashion. And I thought, right, a style is either quiet or it's loud. Fashion is everything today. You can be bohemian, rock and roll, glam. You can be eclectic. They're all, they all exist. And then there's the femininity. A woman can be androgynous. You have a cute, girly, you know, tomboy, uh, romantic, glamour. You know, you've got all these different sensibilities of how a woman wants to show up. And how she shows up in her youth is going to be different to the middle part of her life and to the mature part of her life. So, you know, these wheels that I've created I either turn them up or I turn them down because what I'm doing is I'm designing to a personality and you can change the hair, but you can't change someone's personality. Mm. If you get personality right, the second part's easy. You know, one thing I hear often from consumer friends, it was fascinating during, during the pandemic, my mom and my sister, independent of each other, said this to me. They both changed hairdressers. My mom, I think, had been going to the same hairdresser for 15 years, my sister more than that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what happened? And they both in different ways said it was because of boredom. They were bored. They were bored with themselves and their hairdressers would not react to their boredom. And this had been many years of conversation for both of them going, how about a little of this or a little, and they're, no, 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 you don't want to do that. So we know that could be a problem. We hear it often as as it relates to retention. But I also think about it from a hairdresser perspective, because so many people leave their careers out of boredom. And I think if you're that hairdresser who maybe allows the client to, to, to just be like, oh, oh, same as last time, same as last time. And then you don't even offer an opinion. Can that lead you down a path of boredom that can kill your entire cra- your entire career? Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I create these little characters because I'm such a visual person. So I, I started off my career as a little puppet. And the client was pulling my strings. So everything to kind of please the client. And sometimes there was that compromise where the client would walk out and I felt I pleased her, but it doesn't look good. And that won't do good for me because it won't bring me in the business I want. So that's kind of a no-no. Then there's the entertainer. I feel like I must now talk my entire way through this hairstyle and entertain the client. Well, be be warm, be friendly, but we're not there to entertain. And so that what happens is we get distracted and we can't focus on the technique. And I say to the entertainers that come into my life, I say, you've got to now say to your client, I'm going to be now having a conversation with the hair because the hair is going to be talking to me. And if I'm talking, it's like having two conversations at the Mm -hmm. same time. Which one are you going to listen to? So I say, be careful of the entertainer because it can get you into trouble. Then I see the technician. They're like narrow focus, doing these perfect haircuts, genius. But does it fit the person? Does it fit her personality? And they're so buried in technique that, yes, it's a brilliant haircut, but it doesn't necessarily look pretty. And then the other one is the artist, where if all the stars are in alignment and they're inspired and intuition is flowing, they create a masterpiece but the next time they do that person's hair, well, they have the same emotion, the same energy, you know, it, it goes up and down. So there can be inconsistency if you're leaning in, into the artistry alone. So I always say be light in the entertainment, be really strong in your technique, be really strong in your artistry and try and avoid being a puppet. Because if they want to take over control, just give them the tools and you can coach them how to cut their hair themselves. <laughs> Love that. 
We can train our clients to understand their hair. We can train our clients in so many ways. We should be viewing, I'm going to train my clients to respect me. I'm going to train my clients to show up on time. I'm going to train my clients that they're going to expect an increase in services as I invest in my education. It's always going to be more of me to give to more of you, blah, blah, blah. So we don't do a good job in training our clients. True. And as a client, I would say, and as someone who speaks to clients regularly on airplanes, everywhere I go, I, I love to kind of interview casually the people who are around me and just, what do you think about salons? What do you think about hairdressers? And I think most would say they want to be trained. Like we, we, we really, like, I think we want more sometimes than, than professionals realize, you know, and we talk so often about how professional we are, how hairdressers are often kind of like doctors of hair. And there's, there's a lot that should come with that. You know, we, you need to bring your A game. And, and I think too often we forget about that. Oh, absolutely. I think we, we diminish the, the importance and the responsibility and the honor to touch somebody else's head. And we work in the soul realm, the mind, the will, and the emotions. We work in a very sacred area. We work into a mirror. What other profession works into a mirror? Um, and unfortunately, most hairdressers don't use their mirror enough. It is a tool, right? Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. work into a mirror to see a reflection back. We we have the ability to bring such joy to a person and so much misery mm -hmm. to a person when yes. we do the wrong thing. It's our responsibility to win the trust because trust has to be earned in increments. It's a, it's a slow building. And, it, and as slow as it is to build, it can be destroyed in a second, like falling off a cliff if you misinterpret and misjudge somebody. That's why any problems at the back end of a service always begin at the very beginning. When, you, when we haven't done our homework, we haven't done a deep discovery, we'll pay the price later on. And if we don't speak to the client about stand up, let me check out you know, how tall you are. Uh, let me look at you in the mirror. If we don't do all of these things to train the client, the client needs to know that she can, it's, it's one less worry she's got in her life. I can lean into my hairdresser and they're going to recommend the best hairstyle. They're going to tell me about my face shape. They're going to tell me what's appropriate for a woman my age, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if I went to have a facial, I don't want to have to research all the skincare out there and this and the other. It's just like, just tell me. Mm -hmm. Just yep. make my life easy. Load yep. me up with the products I need. If I see a result, I'm yours forever. Yep. If you're just selling me a product, but make it easy for the client. You are a, a big believer in that first appointment, really taking a deep dive with people, which makes so much sense to me. And again, we don't hear about it often enough. So for someone who's like, okay, that, that sounds interesting. Um, talk about that for a moment, especially someone who maybe isn't there, but wants to get there and just kind of rethinking how they think about that initial appointment. Well, I think we have to always say, are we taking an order or are we doing a true discovery? Are we really doing a design map? Like when I'm all these years of doing hair, I will, when I'm working out the length of someone's face, I vogue around their face and I put my hands around the face to sort of see how I can create oval I, and I make these shapes. So my hands are shape and I'm voguing in this way. Then when I find the length, I usually, sometimes I'll even do it when the hair's dry because it hasn't shrunk, it's dry, right? And if that's the movement that we're going for, I will say, right, I'm going to cut the length to here and I just see if it pops. And I say, I like that length. I like the why, what it's doing. Or I may even come around here and say, you know what? I like that right in there, scissors out, 
And now I can get her shampooed. There's my little focal point. It's it's hanging differently. It's wet. And by it always, hairdressers always forget shrinkage. You know, we, we often are cutting off the amount that we said, but we forget that it's going to shrink. Right. right? Yep, yep, yep. But I vogue around the face and then I get my ideal length and I just make sure that I am knowing why I'm at the cheekbone, knowing why I'm at the jawline. I know why I'm at these places because of what it's going to do to that person's face. People always want to be the most beautiful version of themselves. And that's where you need to do the dive and and, and get out of your own way and not put you on them and not put the haircut on them that you have time for or you're comfortable to do, but you do the right thing. And, and in my training, I have had literally, I've never had this happen in my career. I've had people within 10 months of my training increase their, their prices by 40%. I've had retention at 85%. So it works. And you've been training for a minute. <laughs> yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah, but you know a what? very, very long time. I want to talk. I want to talk about your thoughts about training because I I think often people are in search of it, but if you don't understand really what training is truly about, it, you often don't find the right resources. So talk about your philosophy of of how you think about training professionals who are looking to up their game. Well, I think you have to have full immersion because you know a starting point is browsing through social, getting ideas. That's a starting point. Um, but if you're in immersion, a proper program that has coaching and support and guidance, and you just take baby, baby, baby steps, I only ask for a 1% change each week. And because it's 1%, it's easy to do on your guests. It's not intimidating because I've seen so many times people go to a show or a seminar or a workshop, and they're bombarded with so much information. They go back to the salon. They're not really practiced in it. They try maybe something. It goes horribly wrong, or they run behind, or they just go back to what they have been doing before. So that was just an expensive trip that was fun, that was inspirational, but now they're back exactly where they were before they went to the event. So I'm not about that. I'm about immersion. I'm about baby, baby, baby steps. So if I said to somebody, right, this week we're going to measure the face. We're going to measure the, the, the proportions of the face. That's all you're doing with your guests. That's one thing you're adding. This week, you're going to use your mirror. Uh, and therefore, I want you to write on your brush, mirror. And you're going to just, during your service, you're just going to use your mirror. That's a change. When I introduce the razor, oh, oh no, no, no. You're not going to do an entire razor haircut. No, no, no. We're going to just do a facial frame. Maybe 5% of the haircut will be the razor. Put that tool down and we're going to build from 5% to 10% and we build. And that's why I have transformations, transformations. It's And you know, the nicest thing is when I meet ladies who've maybe been in the business 30 years who were dead in the business. I mean, like not enjoying it, but out. They're like so in love with the business. They're loving their clients. Their clients are loving them. The client, I mean, it's just, it's just so wonderful to see a hairdresser come alive because I feel we're here to serve and we're here to help women with their self-esteem. And we're here to try and make every woman feel beautiful at every point in her life. And we have the grace to understand that now she's in her 60s. This is the way we approach it. And when she's in her 30s, this is the way we approach it. We have that sensitivity. And the moment you are doing the same thing every day, every day, every day, 
that rut starts to appear and, and you're standing still. And standing still is really moving backwards. And if you're standing still, you're moving backwards, you're not progressing in your business. And the biggest motivator in life is progression. I love all that. And, and again, when people are thinking about trainers, I, I love so much of what you said, because it reminds me, let me say it this way, I forever have been fascinated with physical trainers and, and, and just people looking to make people healthier, weight loss or whatever it might be. Not because I want to do those things, because I'm like the least physically fit person there is. And I, I don't, I have no desire to change that about me. I was luckily born thin and, and that helps a little bit. Um, but when I, when I watch, when I listen, you know, it's been so clear over time that that incremental change, which, which ultimately has to do with learning to change our behaviors. And that's what you're talking about as well. The hairdresser's behavior must change in order to, to make progress. And so it just reminds me, and I think most of us, if we've heard anything about, you know, weight loss or fitness, it, it's, it's, it's the slow path. It's not the, the fast stuff doesn't work. It makes sense that it wouldn't work in, in, in professional change as well. So it, it just makes so much sense to me, the approach that you're taking. The path to mastery is like a marination. It's not going in the microwave. It's just a slow process. And, and you should enjoy who you become on the journey. And I watch people's joy increase. I watch their skills improve. And because it's gentle and slow, like I have a program that runs over 10 months and we meet every week. Um, they watch a few videos before class. They come from my live event and then they post their work in the forum. So I get to review their work. Most of them say, oh, Viv, I don't think I can give up that much time. It's like, well, you're going to be living your life. Why not live your life with excitement and joy and enjoy the journey? Do you know what I would say most of them do after the year's up? They sign up for the second year. I now am running this program for the third year. I've got more joining for the third year. I designed this program for new hire. And the people who are signing up again and again have 20, 30 years experience because they love how they feel empowered, excited, um, taking a few risks here and there to try some things on their guests that they hadn't tried before. They, they, they love the feeling of skill. And that's a beautiful thing. Last question. Last question for you, Viv. Um, and, and that is, and it may or may not be connected to everything we talked about, but the best advice that you could offer anybody who's listening today to, for them to have a great, long, successful, and, and ideally satisfying career. I think it's the advice I was given, trained by work with the best of the best in the world, because you aim high. It is a steep climb, but you'll go further than just settling. Don't settle. Push yourself to, to go to the best, but the, make sure you know why. Make sure you know why you want it. And I always think when I'm giving people advice, especially in their career, you have to ask, what if? What if I don't take that jump and go and work with the best of the best? And what if I do? And I also think you have to ask yourself, what would it take for you to quit? Because it wasn't an easy time at college for me. It wasn't an easy time at Sassoon's, but I just wanted to feel good. I wanted to be good because being bad was horrible. It wasn't a natural. I had to work really hard at it. And my drive to be good was greater than the pain. 
And I just wanted to be good because I would look at the people around me with such admiration for what they were doing, where they were going, what they were achieving. And I thought, I want that. And even though, you know, I was on the bottom run of the ladder and they were stars, I just thought, well, if I'm at the base of the ladder and I just do one foot at a time, I'm eventually going to get there, right? And the age of 23, I was the youngest artistic director at Vidal Sassoon's. Wow. That's amazing. And when I was 18 and went to the London College of Fashion for two-year program, which specialized in hair, makeup, specialized in hair for film and theater and television, they they rejected me. Mm. And they said, we don't think that you have the right hands to be a hairdresser. And I didn't know what that meant, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, the right hands. And they said, you've got to go away and get more qualifications. So I went away for a year, got more qualifications. I went back again and I was accepted the second time. So I was rejected, but it didn't stop me because when I did something quite nice, I'd like the feeling. And when I did something horrible, I would go home on the train crying. And my mum would say, oh, don't worry, darling, you know, it'll click one day. You know, she used to say that to me so often. And then I would go back to Sassoon's again and create another disaster. And they'd say to me, oh, it's too short. It's like, of course it's too short. I've been cutting this hair for five hours. Of course it's too short. <laughs> to help me and no one came to help me, right? And this lady would go, oh, I've got no hair here. Oh, yeah, it's your summer haircut. It's not your summer haircut. I had no control. I had no idea what I was doing. So go to the best of the best of the best of the best. And also study outside of our industry. Mm, yes. You know, study, study anything that will take you to the highest level. And you know, anytime you can assist a really high-profile hairdresser, do it because it's so humbling. And don't say I can't afford it. Find the money. Because when you invest in that. The money will follow. I promise you. I promise you. Anyone who does my training, they make back double, triple what they put into the program. So I go to the best of the best. And speaking of the best of the best of the best of the best, you, (laughs) Vivian McKender. So uh, let's tell people where to find you because seriously, I mean, I, I could, I would not have enough room on on my pad to sitting here to list all the people who would say you are amongst the very best of the best of the best of the best in the entire industry. Um, and so, yeah, where can people find you? Um, it's just simply my name, Vivian McKinder, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, and uh, my website's Vivian McKinder. It was formerly called Hair Designer TV, but it's now just my name. And it's with the E-N-N-E. I'm not a Vivian, I'm a Vivian. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm so thrilled that we have this time together. And I, I want to say on behalf of Beautycast Network, thank you. Thank you to Vivian McKender. Again, one of the best of the best of the best. And, uh, it, the best. <laughs> and it, to our audience, I want to say, if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating or review. Hit the subscribe button. Best yet. Share this, share the best of the best of the best with a colleague and pay it forward, help them to to get some of this great learning and also to help others find the podcast. This has been Mastering Beauty from Beautycast Network. Um, And um, yeah, be sure to tune in every Sunday for more great episodes. I'm Gordon Miller. I cannot wait to share more with you again next time.